Welcome to the Daily Boogie. Uh, welcome, everybody. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Good afternoon, good morning, and good evening, wherever you are, whoever you are, whatever you are. Loosen up. Thank you so much for joining us. We're going to have a little fun tonight. I'm going to change it up a little bit. Have a little more fun. It's going to be a little more whimsical. A little more enjoyable for Thank you for joining us. Let's go. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome, hello, and welcome to another episode of the Daily Boogie Podcast. I am Boogie Bumper, your host. Hopefully for the next hour or so, we'll see how we go. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you for sharing the show out. If you did, if you didn't, well, that's okay too. You don't have to. Conformity is not a prerequisite to joining the audience here, as you will soon find out (laughs) as we go further and further into tonight's proceedings. But an absolute pleasure to be with you on this Wednesday evening once again, as always. Plenty to get through to tonight. uh, tonight. We will touch on the debates, but I do have other stuff in mind. I do have a a couple of other clips that I want to show you. And of course, I've got a Florida man geared up and ready to go. And we will go over some of the weird and wonderful news from around the web. So much to get through. Did you enjoy the debates tonight? What a spectacle. What a spectacle. You know, I I almost wish that debate season could just go on forever. We're pretty close to that point now, though, aren't we? (laughs) I mean, it feels like the campaign season has just been getting bigger and bigger and bigger. And as soon as one campaign ends, the new campaign starts the very next day. But there's nothing so enjoyable as seeing people who are on the same side tear shreds off each other in front of the entire world. So that's fantastic stuff. The most powerful government on the face of planet Earth, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Being reduced to name calling calling and finger pointing from people who are supposedly adults. Supposedly. That's debatable. So thank you for joining us. We do have plenty to get to tonight, but I want to start off by uh, addressing something. So yesterday's show, I did get a little bit of feedback from yesterday's program, not just publicly, but uh, privately as well. A few people reached out and, and expressed their displeasure with some of the things I had to say yesterday. So I did warn people at the start of yesterday's show that I was probably going to piss some people off in the audience. So by all means, you can criticize me for the things that I say. You can criticize me for my opinions and my take on things, but you cannot criticize my power of prediction when it comes to annoying members in my own audience. So (laughs) I just want to say this. Um, At this point, there is well over 200 hours of my voice on podcasts and live streams and broadcasts and on other people's shows. So there's a lot there. I've been doing this for a while and there's plenty of things that you can pick over. So if one or two comments in a particular episode is enough to, 
you know, make you sort of slam your fist on the desk and walk away, then that's fine by me. That is absolutely fine. There are probably literally hundreds of podcasts and live streams out there which may be best better suited to you. Let me put it this way. I'm not here to be part of the Donald Trump positive news feedback loop. This is a very small show with a very small audience, but uh, I'm very proud to say it's a very engaging audience and a very engaged audience and a very loyal audience. It's an audience that likes to participate. It's an audience that punches above its weight. But above all else, it's an audience that enjoys being challenged. And the overwhelming responses from yesterday's show were positive. But I wouldn't trade one of my open-minded audience who want to be challenged and have their ideas challenged and be forced to think about things, then I I wouldn't trade one of those for a thousand audience members who would prefer to be part of the Donald Trump positive news feedback loop because that's not why I'm here and you know as somebody who's on the outside looking in perhaps sometimes uh, my perspective things might look a little bit different for me than it would look for somebody who's in the thick of it who's up close to it and for the same reason that you know a detective that has their wife murdered isn't allowed to investigate their own case because their emotional attachment to the subject matter may lead them to make mistakes or have blind spots where somebody who is more detached from the situation may not. And, you know, you don't have to listen. You don't have to care. People are quite free to come and go. It doesn't bother me in the slightest. Uh, But I won't be changing. (laughs) And I will continue to you know, offer points that challenge things from time to time because above all else, like I said, uh, our very small but engaged audience here enjoys being challenged on certain things. And if you want to be part of the positive news feedback loop, there are thousands of other programs that will provide that very service for you. So with that in mind, uh, I'd like to give a little plug if I can to one of our comrades, one of my friends. Thank you so much for joining us. Plenty to get through. Uh, the American Priority Conference, a friend of mine, Tom Chatelet, ladies and gentlemen, is doing a great deal of work in organising this event. It's October 10 to 12 at, where is it? It's in Florida. Uh, where is it? In Miami, Florida at uh, Trump Doral. And they've put together a list of speakers. Let me show you this. I'm just doing a little plug for a mate because he's done a lot of hard work on this. Look, you've got Sarah Sanders, Charlie Kirk, Dinesh D'Souza, Matt Gates is going to be there, Robert Davey, David Wolfe, Darren Prince. The list goes on. David Harris Jr., Carpe Donctum, Ryan Fournier. A whole list of speakers at the American Priority Conference. There's also going to be a golf tournament and a poker tournament and stuff. So I just wanted to put the word out, if you are in Miami between uh, the 10th and 12th of October and you're interested in seeing some of these speakers, then by all means head to AmericanPriority.com and register your interest. Uh, Like I said, uh, my pal Tom has put a lot of hard work into this. And if you needed any 
further encouragement, <laughs> David Hogg smears Sarah Sanders' major conservative conference as white supremacist. So <laughs> if that's not an endorsement in 2019, nothing is. If that doesn't tickle your interest, nothing will. You know, if somebody says, well, you absolutely shouldn't go to this event because it's filled with white supremacists like Sarah Sanders, you know you're on the right track. You know you're probably going to enjoy yourself. You know you're probably going to see something that you want to see. So <laughs> there's a great quote here uh, from Ricky Rebel, who's, to be fair, his musical stylings are not my personal taste, granted. But nonetheless... Because uh, David Hogg said it's a white supremacist group and whatnot. Ricky Rebel said in response, I'd like to tell David Hogg that he needs to get his head out of his ass and that not everybody who has a different point of view of hi than him is a white supremacist. So there you go. <laughs> well done, Ricky. Congratulations. So like I said, plenty to get through. Uh, we will get into the debates. And by all means, uh, my previous comments talking about the feedback that I got from last night, uh, feel free to leave more comments. Feel free to let me know how you feel. I won't take it to heart. I won't take it personally. And I will continue doing what I do for this, like I said, very small but engaged audience. Let's start it off this way, shall we? Oh, and a quick reminder, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to haul me over the coals and give me some feedback, then you can do so by following me on Twitter, at Boogie Bumper. This one goes out to a regular audience member, and you know the guy. We don't know his name, but he's the guy who often comes in and praises the Southern District of New York. Thank God for the Southern District of New York, he will say. Oh, yes, the Southern District of New York is going to bring Trump to justice. You know, I'm glad that those patriots filed that lawsuit with the Southern District of New York. Finally, Donald Trump and his criminal cronies are going to see justice. You know the guy. He's a regular in the chat. He's one of our pets. We like to keep him around to amuse people. So this one goes out to him, hot goss off the press, in regards to the court case that was filed at the Southern District of New York against Donald Trump. We have a plate full of developments this morning. We seem to Plateful. almost every morning, but never mind. <laughs> so let's get some perspective from Leslie Sanchez, a CBS News political contributor and a Republican strategist. Leslie, good morning. Good morning. Let's let's start with this DNC uh, suit here. What is the strategy by the Democrats here, do you think? Is this a stunt? You know, in many ways, you could say it's a political stunt. It's such a wide-ranging lawsuit in terms of everybody that was named. But what it does for the narrative is it does drag it back to the issue that of Russian involvement in the 2016. <laughs> so if you think of it like a mosaic, a it's lot a mosaic. of different pieces, a lot of different investigations that get lost in the noise, this really put a very broad structure around it where you could see one picture and, tether and tethers it back to the Russian investigation. It all Sounds like abject nonsense to me. Federal judge dismisses DNC lawsuit against Trump campaign and Russia. There you go. All gone. Bye-bye. Southern District of New York, ladies and gentlemen, uh, yesterday, <clears throat> yesterday or today, I don't know, very recently threw out the lawsuit against the Trump campaign and said that there was no plausible evidence for the claims made in the lawsuit by the DNC. So thank God for the Southern District of New York. And before anybody wants to claim some kind of corruption, 
the judge involved was a liberal who was appointed by Clinton. So, <laughs> bye-bye. Bye-bye, Southern District of New York lawsuit. Thank God for the thank God for the Southern District of New York. Finally, Donald Trump is going to see justice. I noticed our friend isn't in here today. How how odd, how very odd. Let's do some debate stuff. Jay Inslee, who I'm sure most people have never heard of in their entire life, doesn't want a white nationalist to be in the White House anymore. <laughs> I think we're missing two central statements we need to make. Number yeah. one, we can no longer allow a white nationalist to be in the White House. Number one. writes this garbage who writes this stuff for these people who writes this you know we could no longer allow a white nationalist to be in the white house okay (laughs) how did you allow a white nationalist to get into the white house shouldn't isn't that what you should be asking mr insley how did the democrat party if the guy is so awful and so racist and a white nationalist Basically Hitler 2.0. If he is so bad, how did he get the job in the first place? Imagine being part of a party that says that the president is so evil and so racist and so sexist and so stupid, yet you lost to him. What the hell does that say about you? (laughs) You know, we can no longer allow this stupid white supremacist to be in the White House. Holy cow, how the hell did he get in there in the first place? You must be awful. Imagine being worse than a white supremacist. Imagine that, Mr. Inslee. One. Number two. Number two. Number two, we have to make America what it's always been, a place of refuge. Uh-huh. we got to boost the number of people we accept. I'm proud of being the first governor saying, send us your Syrian refugees. America has always been a place of refuge, but ladies and gentlemen, I thought that the original, you know, the Puritans, right? The original refugees to the United States were actually colonists and genocidal maniacs from Europe. You know, when we talk about things like, uh, you know, the Mayflower landing in North America and the American Indians, the natives at the time, when we talk about that sort of element of American history... I don't recall anybody saying that the Native Americans were welcoming of refugees and were all about openness and letting refugees. I don't remember that being part of the conversation. I thought the uh, white Europeans were uninvited guests. I thought they were invaders. Now, all of a sudden, oh, America's always been a land of refugees. That's what America is all about. America is the place where everybody else around the world can just show up without, without an invitation and just get a house, get some land, get some free shit. Once once upon a time, that was called genocide. Now it's called empathy. Because you've got to oppose that white nationalist in the White House, Mr. Inslee. Congratulations. Uh, staying on the white supremacist tip, ladies and gentlemen, Kirsten Gillibrand put her best foot forward, her privileged white foot in red pumps. So... I don't believe that it's the responsibility of Corey and Kamala to be the only voice that takes on these issues of institutional racism, systemic racism in our country. 
I think as a white woman of privilege who is a U.S. senator running for president of the United States, it is also my responsibility to lift up those voices that aren't being listened to. And I can talk to those white women in the suburbs that voted for Trump and explain to them what white privilege actually is. Oh, I bet the white women in the suburbs who voted for Trump can't wait for Kirsten Gillibrand to knock on their door. God, please, can we get the camera following around Kirsten Gillibrand knocking on the door of white women in the suburbs who voted for Donald Trump? (laughs) Shut up, Jeremy. Somebody's at the door. Hello? Hi, I'm Kirsten Gillibrand. I'm running for president. I'd like to talk to you about your white privilege. Say what now? Your white privilege. See, you're a woman of privilege, and it's on you and me together as white women of privilege to fight back against systemic racism. Systemic whatism? Huh? I'm sorry. I've got four and a half children in the backyard that are trying to kill each other right now, and I've got some potatoes on the stove. Um, would you mind coming back at a later time to talk about this, what, what, what you call it? White privilege and systemic racism. Yeah, yeah, the systemic privilegism. Uh, can you just can you make sure that you just leave your leave your number in the letterbox and I'll get back to you, okay, sweetheart? Thank you. God bless you. God bless you. I'm sorry, are you running against Donald Trump? Well, yes. You see, he's a white supremacist and a racist. And uh, you know, as a woman of privilege, it's on me to explain to you why you're ignorant about your own privilege. It's my duty to explain to you why you have it so good as a white woman of privilege. Oh, yeah. Uh, what, what y'all gonna do about the taxes? You know, because my husband, he been paying too much tax lately and we would like to have a little more money. So what, you gonna, what y'all gonna do about that? Well, see, you know, because we need to raise your taxes because you're a white woman of privilege to pay for the illegal immigrants who come over the border. Oh, I'm sorry, undocumented migrants. To pay for their health care. What y'all giving uh, doctor visits to Mexicans for? Ain't they got their own doctors? Oh, you're so ignorant. You're so ignorant. But you can learn about white privilege, too. Yeah. Tell you what, sweetheart. Why don't you get the fuck off my property before I get my shotgun? Okay? I'd love to see that. Please. Please. Can we get a camera following Kirsten around the Trump voting districts speaking to the white women of privilege? that when their son is walking down a street with a bag of M&Ms in his pocket, wearing a hoodie, his whiteness is what protects him from not being shot. (laughs) Why is she bringing M&Ms into this? (laughs) Gotta hear that again. So this this is Kirsten Gillibrand's plan. She is going to approach the white women of privilege in the suburbs who voted for Donald Trump and explain to them that their children, their children's whiteness deflects bullets. <laughs> white privilege actually is that when they're what is white privilege? White privilege is walking down the road with a packet of M and M's in your pocket, wearing a hoodie, not getting shot because of your whiteness. <laughs> Her son is walking down a street with a bag of M&Ms in his pocket, wearing a hoodie. His whiteness is what protects him from not being shot. What the fuck are you talking about? (laughs) And And the audience is like, yeah, yeah, woo! Say it, sister. 
Breaking news. Sales of M&Ms have gone through the roof in the suburbs. Democrat voters believe it protects them from stray bullets. <laughs> Double down. Go again. When, her, when their child has a car that breaks down and he knocks on someone's door for help yeah. and the door opens and the help is given, it's mm. his whiteness that protects him from being shot. That... <laughs> Oh, you're very privileged. You're very you you privileged. You stuck up privileged mothers in Trump voting districts with your stuck up privileged children with their M and M's not getting shot thanks to their whiteness. Ladies and gentlemen, is this the next president of the United States? I sincerely hope so. I sincerely hope so. Uh, Tulsi Gabbard. We touched on Tulsi a little bit yesterday. This was fascinating because it was I think Tulsi's part Indian, if I'm not mistaken. Is that correct? Tulsi's part Indian, and so is Kamala Harris. So it was a woman of colour catfight up there on the stage, and Tulsi out-woman of coloured her. And I don't think Tulsi very often plays the race card. So it was a good one to pull out on Kamala Harris, who loves the race card, who has a couple of race cards shoved up her sleeve, ready to use at any moment. I don't know if it's as powerful as the you don't get shot because of your whiteness race card. That's a whole new level. That's like a royal flush when it comes to identity politics. But uh, Tulsi gave Kamala Harris a little bit of a slap down. Have a look at this. Senator Harris says she's proud of her record as a prosecutor and that she'll be a prosecutor president. But I'm deeply concerned about this record. There are too many examples to cite, but she put over 1,500 people in jail for marijuana violations and then laughed about it when she was asked if she ever smoked marijuana. Mm. She blocked evidence. Oh, look at the look on <laughs> Kamala. Oh, Kamala. Kamala, Kamala, whatever the hell you Look at that. She's not happy, is she? Oh, no. I'm supposed to be the one attacking people. I'm supposed to be in charge here. Who the hell does Tulsi think she is? Maybe she has Hawaiian privilege. She blocked evidence that would have freed an innocent man from death row until the courts forced her to do so. She kept people in prison beyond their sentences. There's there's that resting bitch face that we all knew was around. You know, because Kamala Harris likes to smile and look all positive and stuff. But there's that resting bitch face that we've heard so much about behind the scenes. <clears throat> to use them as cheap labor for the state of California. And she fought... To keep cash you, bail system in. <laughs> now they're cutting her off. Thank you, Congresswoman. Thank you, Congresswoman. Stop cutting the legs off our number one resource, please. Stop making our number one candidate look bad. Thank you, Congresswoman. She's prettier than Kamala, too. So, oh dear. Dear, oh dear, oh dear. The stakes for a woman of color of Indian background trying to out race card the other. She's also prettier. And she's also got more appeal with people on the other side of the aisle. It's not looking good for Kamala. Dear, oh dear. For those who are concerned, for those who have been watching Trust and Verify and this program for the last few months, you'll know that a topic that we've brought up many, many times, and I'll do it one more time, is the fact that the progressive side of the Democrat Party's politics, their policies are so unpopular that they would guarantee an electoral wipeout in 2020 in the House specifically. 
if they were ever to become the Democratic Party platform. Now, I get a lot of pushback from progressives when I say this because progressives, of course, uh, they're afflicted with a condition that leaves them only able to process their own ideas and imagine that everybody else who disagrees must be stupid or a Nazi. And if only we can explain our ideas better, then everybody must be in favour of them because they're so good. It is the inward-looking, you know, narcissistic fundamental axiom of progressivism in 2019. So imagine my lack of surprise when I saw this doing the rounds yesterday. The progressive policies of the democratic far left, ladies and gentlemen, just how popular are they? Just how popular will they be in a general election? Uh, Steve Kornacki standing by at the board with how uh, the numbers may back up what we saw tonight. Yeah, interesting, that dynamic you're talking about, sort of the moderate candidates going after Warren, going after Sanders, and even sounding that alarm potentially about electability. We've got some new data that's out recently that measures some of these issues that came up, where Democratic voters are, the folks who are going to vote in the primary versus where general election voters are. There are some interesting divides here. This question of Medicare for all without private insurance. That was a major part of this debate tonight. You see Democratic voters, more than two to one support this. 64% support, 31% opposed. Ask the same question to all Americans. General election voters, the folks who vote in November, very different. Oh. <laughs> well, Medicare for all is, a, is a, an extremely popular position. You know, I want every candidate on this debate stage here tonight to say that they approve of Medicare for all with no private insurance. This is what the American people want, Don. This is what the American people want, Jake. We are just giving the American people what they want. All 41% of them. According to MSNBC, not Fox News. MSNBC. Story, 41% say it's a good idea. A majority, 54%, oh say it's a bad idea. How about oh this one? How about decriminalizing border crossings? That obviously came up again tonight. <laughs> that's still my favorite. That's still my favorite moment of all of these debates is Julian Castro saying the way that we're going to solve illegal border crossings is to make it no longer illegal. <laughs> And then in 2021, Julian Castro, President Julian Castro, triumphantly declares to the world that America has zero illegal border crossings <laughs> because it's all been legalized. It's fine now. Not a crime. How do you tackle the crime problem? You make things not crimes anymore. How are we going to tackle the stolen car epidemic in Baltimore? We'll make it legal to steal cars. Brilliant, sir. Sir, you are a visionary. How the hell do they come up with these ideas? As it did the first debate, Democrats are split on this question. 45 support, 47 oppose. How about all voters, general election voters, overwhelming opposition on that? 20 oh. <laughs> 66% say it's a bad idea. 60. Ladies and gentlemen, I have very alarming news for you. Tonight on the Daily Boogie podcast, alarming news as 66% of the American population is revealed to be Nazis, bigots, and xenophobes, a total that is much higher than previously suspected. MSNBC and Democratic Party candidates are working for a solution to the Nazis. Can we build camps fast enough to re-educate them? Time will tell.
766. Another issue you heard about, this is national health insurance. Should there be a program that makes it available to undocumented immigrants? Again, among Democrats, basically two to one support for that proposition. How does national health insurance, how does it work for somebody who shouldn't even, how does it work for somebody who's in the country illegally? Yeah, hello. I'd like to uh, sign up for the uh, national health insurance for illegal immigrants. Sure. Uh, what's your address? Oh, no, Holmes. I'd not tell you. I'd not tell you. They come get me. Okay, what's your name? Uh, Michael Jordan. Okay, Michael. And what's your, do you have any uh, information that you can give us? Do you have a contact number? Uh, do you have a next to kid? Oh, no. No, no. Can't say. No, you just you just give me free doctor visit. This is the way it work. Uh, okay, but we can't actually process we can't actually process your information unless we have a name and an address and some other information from you. Uh, can we get your address, please, sir? No, 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 no. You just give me free hospital visit. This is this is progress. This is what you do. How the hell are you going to give insurance to people who? legally have no standing in the country i don't understand what what possible what possible problems could arise there's no problem there's no problem whatsoever health insurance for undocumented migrants the reason how do you sign up for insurance without documents (laughs) they are literally calling them undocumented migrants and you want to give them a document a health insurance document do they cease to be undocumented migrants at that point if you give an, an undocumented migrant a document, are they now a documented migrant? How the hell does this work? I don't understand. to 32 among general election voters, complete opposite. And one more that came up uh, late in the night, that question of reparations payments amongst Democrats, 46 support, 40% say bad idea among all voters. Again, 27. Oh, <laughs> 60. 62%, 62% of the country are racist, Joe. 62% racist in the United States of America. You know, before Donald Trump was elected, at least 100% of people would have voted in favor of reparations. But since Donald Trump, he's been empowering the white nationalists, you see. He's been empowering the racists and the white nationalists to openly flaunt their bigotry, to openly flaunt their racism, now a whopping 62% of people do not want to pay reparations for slavery. It's disgusting, isn't it? It's disgusting. I wonder how many people who were watching this on MSNBC felt a genuine shock at the idea that 62% of the country do not agree with them when it comes to reparations. Can you imagine? Can you imagine the horror, ladies and gentlemen? Can you imagine the horror if you were a white suburban woman of privilege to see this figure flashed up on the screen before your eyes? You would start shaking uncontrollably, clutching your loved ones. Perhaps you know a black person, you would go over to their house immediately and give them a hug. Anything, anything. Maybe just cry yourself to sleep. God, what an awful world. What an awful world filled with racists and misogynists and homophobes and isms and all the isms and all the phobias. Uh, CNN panel 
Dems promised free this and free this, uh, free this and free this, sunshine and unicorns. And then there's this divide between what is possible. You do have to work with the Congress on something like as big as health care. And for those of us who covered the health care debate the last time, know how hard even the littlest details are to get across the finish line versus the if you dream it, you can do it. Mm -hmm. It's uh, like, let's do this and let's give free totally. this and this and this, sunshine and unicorns. Ain't it? <laughs> I love it when CNN becomes self-aware for those flashing, for those fleeting moments in time when they're like, hey, all of our candidates are up there promising sunshine and unicorns. In reality, that's never going to happen. Enough about that, you racist. Let's get back to free healthcare for undocumented immigrants. Ain't always uh, easy. Yeah, and right, there was exactly criticism right. from, you talked about they have to pay for it. There was criticism from people like Joe Biden that the other Democratic candidates aren't being straight about how they would pay for it, uh, except for Bernie Sanders. And you saw that yeah. last night. Elizabeth Warren was salivating over... Uh, yes, true. Ernie Banks in the chat says, yes, you are You are indeed racist, xenophobes, misogynists, all the phobias and all the isms, uh, but you're not pedophiles. So well done. Congratulations on not being pedophiles, but the night is young. Don't write it. Don't rule anything out at this point. You never know. You could be pedophiles before 2020. That's the next step. The John Delaney and the wealth tax argument, but she dodged completely when asked right. about Which if she would middle class. Yes, yeah, she said she that she said overall not. their costs would go down, but she wouldn't say that their taxes Good cap, right. yes, yeah. And the problem with that is that, yes, the taxes um, will go up and the costs may go down, but when Republicans are concerned that if they give uh, Democrats an ability to raise taxes, they will never come down. They'll keep going up and up and up. That's that's ten. That tends to be the way it goes. Michigan voters, I love these little things that CNN does, where they get a collection of voters and ask them very pressing questions about the important things that are going on during the debate season. Because I like to get the insights of the very the of course very random people that CNN selects for these little battles. <laughs> Random people, we don't know anything about these people. We're not handpicking these people because of their opinions by any stretch of the imagination. This is a completely random process. Just six people who were walking around outside the office at CNN. We brought them in, sat them down, and picked their brain. All right, while we are here in Detroit, we figured it would be the perfect time to check in with the all-important voters in all this important state. All-important voters. So we sat down at the Detroit Foundation Hotel with a group of engaged voters, engaged mostly voters. Democrats, one independent, some mm. of whom have volunteered on various campaigns in the oh, past. Oh. We wanted to find out what kind of candidate they think can beat Donald Trump. And as you are about to hear, Democrats are wrestling with whether to go bold or practical, mm. progressive or pragmatic. Here is your pulse of the people. <laughs> How can they still be debating whether to go more progressive or not? How is that even a thing? You even have people in the corporate press saying now that the Democrat Party has never been so far left as it is today, that they have never gone so progressive so quickly. And, you know, people talk about 4D chess and stuff. I'm not sure about that. But I'm sure it's it's true in some instances. I don't think it's true in all instances. But what is plainly obvious is since the election of Donald Trump, I think less than the racists and the KKK and the neo-Nazis being mobilised and empowered, who who has really been mobilised and empowered here? The people who have really been mobilised and empowered are the far-left progressives who, unbeknownst to themselves, are even more unpopular within their own party than they are with the Republicans. The Republicans love 
the casting and the framing of Democrat politics as far left and socialist and stuff because they know we just saw the poll. We just saw the poll on MSNBC. They are going to get murdered in middle America. Nancy Pelosi knows this. We did this stat on Trust and Verify a couple of weeks ago. There were 90 seats in 2018 in the midterms in the House that the Democrats, the DNC, identified as toss-up seats, right? Ones that they could win back and what have you. So there was 90 of those seats. Two candidates only of those 90 toss-ups, two of them ran on the Green New Deal and reparations and open borders and whatnot. Both of those candidates lost. The only two who ran on it, both of them lost. So Nancy Pelosi knows that the progressive policy agenda is cancer in middle America. So she's doing her absolute best to put up the moderate face of the Democrat Party, right? She's doing her absolute best saying, no, no, well, you know, we like to consider all voices, but, uh, you know, there's a pragmatic way to go about things. And the Republicans need only to amplify the message. Why do you think why do you think the Republicans are constantly talking about AOC and Ilan Omar and Rashida Tlaib? It's not because progressives, it's not because they're afraid of them. Because <laughs> that's what they like to say. Republicans are obsessed with AOC because they're afraid of her. It's like, no, 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 no. Uh, they're amplifying AOC because she's so ridiculous. They're amplifying Ilan Omar because when Ilan Omar and AOC make statements in the press, it makes the moderate Democrats in the purple districts less popular by association. You see? You see how this works? They're afraid of Ilan Omar and the progressive agenda. They're worried that the progressives are going to be taking over. No, they're not. The people who are worried about the progressives taking over are the Democrats in the moderate districts because they don't want the progressives taking over because then they would be out of a job. How many of you are still candidate shopping? All of you. Edith, are you leaning towards anyone? Joe Biden. For you, Joe Biden is at the top of the ticket. So. (sighs) Yeah. Do I have your vote in 2020? Young lady, you smell like blueberries. <sighs> yeah. Far. And why? I've watched Joe Biden over the years. Um, I find him to be uh, competent. Joe Biden is an old school politician. When Joe Biden takes the pulse of the people, he sniffs his fingers afterwards. <laughs> Politically. Um, solid in foreign relations and that he never forgot where he came from. Uh, I like that. I'm going to say the one I'm leaning towards most is Julian Castro. Oh, good. Because he has a really good stance on reparations Uh, uh, than any of the candidates. And then he talks a lot about immigration reform and a lot about Native people. No, 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 no. He doesn't talk about immigration reform. He talks about removing immigration laws. That's not reform. You understand the difference, right? Like, so if there's a house and the house is damaged, we can reform the house, meaning we take what we have there and we add to it, we fix it. We fix it, right? Reform is fixing something. You don't walk up to a house that needs repairs and tear it down and then say, we've reformed this house. No, you haven't. No, you've just destroyed it. You've removed it. It's just a vacant lot now. 
Yeah, Julian Castro, uh, he, he's going to reform uh, immigration law. What what immigration? If Julian Castro gets into the White House, he will remove immigration law. There won't be immigration law. <laughs> nice, nice reform, bro. I love so many of them. It's almost like an embarrassment of riches because we've got so many wonderful choices. <laughs> I love them all. I just love them all. Trust the white woman. Trust the privileged white woman, huh? Isn't that so just stereotypical of the privileged suburban white women? Well, who do you prefer? I like Joe Biden. And who do you prefer? I like Julian Castro. And privileged white woman, who do you like? Well, I just, I just like them all. I just think they're all so, it's like an embarrassment of riches. They're just all so sweet. They're all so sweet and lovely. You know, it wouldn't be fair to vote for one. Can I vote for all of them? I want all of them to win. You're all winners. Everybody gets a ribbon. Everybody gets to be the nominee. We can't we can't declare somebody as a loser. That's not fair. What about their feelings? Everybody's just trying so dang hard. <laughs> wow, everybody's just trying so dang hard up there. I feel awful having to vote for one. Why can't they all be winners? Why can't they all get the nomination? I won't see 20 Democrats running against Donald Trump. <laughs> They're just all such sweethearts. Um, I respect Joe Biden. I respect Bernie Sanders. And they would have been my person last time. But now I person. feel like we need something besides an old white guy. Right. Ah. Uh, so my top candidate right now is... Old white woman doesn't want old white man. Elizabeth Warren. She's not in it just to say that, oh, I'm president. She's in it because she really cares about ordinary people. For me, what was really important was that my family lost our home in the financial crisis, yeah. and Elizabeth Warren really stepped up to the plate and um, was taking on those big banks and trying to help people like my family. Mm. Say, so, uh, Joe Biden. Yeah, and uh, the president at the time, Barack Obama, took even more of your taxpayer money and funneled it into the pockets of the people who ran those very big banks. Your president at the time, my Democratic lass, Barack Obama. Well, Elizabeth Elizabeth Warren was fighting for us, you know, because my family lost their home in the in the global financial crisis, and Elizabeth Warren she was fighting for us to, uh, you know, stand up to the big banks. I vote Democrat because Elizabeth Warren was trying to stand up to the big banks. I don't vote Democrat because Barack Obama gave billions of dollars of taxpayers' money to the big banks. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, I think that what the country needs now and uh, probably for the next few decades whoa, uh, whoa, is somebody whoa. who can right the ship. Whoa, whoa. Let's, let's not stray into dictator territory there, comrade. The next, the next president should be allowed to stay in office for the next few decades. <laughs> what we need for the next few decades is what I think. Okay, just relax, relax, bro. At least win the election first, then we can talk about the jackboots marching down Main Street, sticking rifle butts in people's faces, you know what I mean? Then we can talk about kicking in shop windows and, you know, the Fourth Reich. But for now, we have to pretend like we at least respect the democratic process. Uh, because the waters are going to get stormier, uh, oh, they're going the to get choppier. Choppy and uh, the idea of simply replacing one person who's rocking the boat with a person who's going to rock the boat on the other side mm. is probably not wise at this time. Yes. I demand an authoritarian dictator to steady the ship, to crack down on people trying to rock the boat viciously.
More people in cages. Vote Democrat. I think a lot of people do support Joe Biden, like my friend here, um, thinking that because he's moderate that he'll appeal to most people. But I think we've seen from the Republican Party that somebody who wasn't moderate, somebody who was very far right, um, <laughs> changing things, trying to change the, uh, the country. <laughs> God, I love this. How dense must you be, comrade? Well, you know, the Republican Party elected a radical. The P- Republican Party elected somebody that was very far right. Oh, okay. Is that why all of the Democrats who voted for Donald Trump in the blue wall states did so? Because they just they just woke up one day and decided to vote for Hitler. People who voted for Barack Obama twice, who voted against George W. Bush, who voted for Bill Clinton, who voted against George Bush. 30 years, Democrats in these blue wall states had been voting for Democrats. And then one day, just like that, they said they woke up, they turned to their significant, they turned to their privileged white wife in the bed next to them and they said, you know, honey, maybe this Hitler guy was onto something. <laughs> I mean, we've been voting Democrat for the last 30 years in this state. Why don't we mix it up a little bit? How about we elect a far right Nazi? Sounds great, dear. <laughs> How can you tell a progressive when you come across one? Uh, people, people who are very people who would have been declared very moderate thirty years ago are now far right Nazis. So moderate that moderate Democrats voted for a Republican in record numbers. Nah, just another far right bigot. Just another bigot. I think to battle against that, we need somebody who's very far left and uh, yep. really supports radical change. <laughs> The best way to the best way to stand against the far right is to elect somebody from the far left. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> the best way to oppose radicalism is more radicalism. I love it. <laughs> you know, the Republicans elected a, a far right bigot. We need to elect a communist. That's how we're going to fix this. Okay, okay. okay. Interesting theory. (laughs) What do you all think about all of the conversations that we've had of late about race? I think that at his core, 45 is a racist. Uh He came down Uh the steps of Trump Tower, Mm. a racist. Oh. He rode into the White House, a racist. He rode into the right house upon his trusty black steed, which he whipped viciously. (laughs) Whoa there. Whoa there, Kunta. Easy boy. He rode into the white house like a a hero from the old west. And he has opened the door for every racist Mm. who's been hiding in the corners to Uh, come out and show themselves. Uh. I mean, it sounds like you're saying that he didn't start this. He just tapped into it. So how much responsibility do you put on President Trump? President Trump got elected thanks to Democrats in the blue wall states, but he was a racist all along. And since his election, the racists have been crawling out. (laughs) Yes, yes. Our time has finally come. <laughs> we have been waiting for this moment. We have been waiting for the election of another Hitler. Kunta, it's time to strap on your boots. 
grab your brown shirt. We are goose-stepping to Washington, my friend. Mein hair sounds wonderful. Yes, it's time for the races to come out of the shadows, finally. We have been empowered by the president, Donald Trump. I put all of the responsibility on President Trump. All of it. It doesn't matter if it's... You know, before Donald Trump got elected, it was all like, Good morning, starshine. Everybody was singing and dancing and sharing cupcakes on street corners. It was the Rainbow Nation before President Donald Trump got in. I put the blame of all the racism at the feet of Donald Trump, who rode in on his trusty black steed. All of the racism. So the race riots that occurred under Barack Obama's tenure, Donald Trump. It's all Donald Trump's fault. You know, before Donald Trump was elected, uh, people were just engaged in mass interracial orgies on every street corner. Everybody loved everybody. You know, I remember the time. I'm old enough to remember the country before Donald Trump. I'm old enough to remember just the way people got on. You know, it was a wonderful place. You could walk down the streets of Chicago, or dare I say Baltimore, hand in hand, without any fear of crime at all. There was no prejudice. There was no hatred. The Civil War didn't even exist. There was no such thing as racial animus towards your fellow man. But then Donald Trump got elected, and a dark cloud was set over the horizon. Suddenly, friends turned against friends, neighbors turned against neighbors. People all of a sudden were at each other's throats and the racists who had been hiding in the corners started to emerge. Their pallid skin, craving sunlight, their long fingernails in need of trims were scratching down the walls to get out of the racist cave which they had been confined to for centuries before Donald Trump was elected. And like some kind of demon creature set upon the earth, the awful, awful racism that we live to today. Uh, Mom, Grandma might need to go to a home. I think Grandma missed her medication again. Yes, everything was wonderful before Donald Trump. It's a wonderful place to live. Uh huh. Mm-hmm. Okay, Grandma. Uh, Grandma, you can't come to school with me no more. Uh, my friends say you make them a little uncomfortable. Okay, bye, Grandma. Good night, Grandma. It's been there. There has never been a candidate since George Wallace who has exploited it to the extent that Trump has. Okay. And it's going to take us a long time to fix and mend this. Mm-hmm. It's not a debate for me on like if he's a racist or not. I think it's very clear that he is. Mm. Um, he holds the highest office in the land, and I think he's legitimizing hatred. Legitimizing this hatred, and it really, really shows. And it's a dog whistle to many, many races out there who feel as though they can, you know, say these things and feel like it's okay, but it it really isn't. No. Since nine eleven, well, uh, apparently it is because <laughs> the guy won. I mean, if it's not okay, then how did he win? Once again, I pose the question. If it was so awful and so racist and so wrong and everybody agrees that it's so awful and so racist and so wrong, how the hell did he get in the White House? In order to believe that it's so awful and so obviously racist and so wrong and so Hitlerian, you have to believe that at least 50% of your own countrymen 
are also racist and evil and Nazis. <laughs> what, what a country to live in. What a world to live in. Yes, he says things. Says things. He says that just like Hitler did. You know who, you know who else used to say things? Hitler. Hitler said things. Uh, being a Muslim American has brought with it its own challenges. Mm. And uh, perhaps more historically, the idea of hearing go back home uh, has always loomed uh, over me. Right. So I think some of those verbal cues, which seem to be much more benign, uh, happen with much more frequency than somebody actually yelling at you saying, right. go back home, you're not welcome here anymore. Yep. And what do you think? I've noticed the frequency of people calling other people Nazis has also gone through the roof. Have you noticed that? Far right, that's gone up. White nationalist, that gets thrown around a lot these days. Think about the internal squabbles about race in the Democratic Party. Race, 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 race. Race, 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 race. You would think it's the only thing that people care about. You would think that every conversation at every dinner table and every water cooler at every office is just race, 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 race all the time. Race, 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 race. Hey, what did you think of the football on the weekend? Good. Racism. 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 Do you think the Golden State Warriors can win the NBA championship? Well, that's a good question, Tom. Racism. Mm, racism. I didn't consider the racism. Oh, you've always got to consider the racism. Honey, what do we want for dinner? Racism, 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 racism. It's just all races. Race, 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 race. That's the only thing that's happening. It's the only thing going on. What about all the other problems? Pro problems? Everything was fucking perfect before Donald Trump showed up. <laughs> Everything was fine. The reason people voted for Donald Trump is because they were so upset that everything was working perfectly and everybody was getting on so well that they elected a racist just to spit in our face. That's what happened. That's that's what happened. When you go back, that's what the history books will show. Not to mention Russia. Racism, Russia. Russia, Russia, racism, racism, Russia, Russia. Racism, Russia. Russia, 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 Russia. Hello, I'm Don Lemon, and this is Racism, Russia Tonight. Racism, racism, Russia, 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 racism. Racism, Russia, Russia. Racism. Racism, Russia, 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 racism, sexism. Mm. Ooh. Show of hands, how many people think that it's fair game for Democrats to go after each other on past issues of race? So fair game. <laughs> the white woman was like, yeah, I don't know. I really just want to go after Donald Trump for race. I think our guys should be allowed off because they're Democrats and they're good people. They're all just so talented. They're all so lovely. I wish I could vote for all of them. Why don't you think so, Sayed? You know, it's, in, it's ironic. Ronald Reagan said that uh, the one golden rule was that Republicans shouldn't go after each other, uh. that they should really circle the wagons. Mm -hmm. And part of that was recognizing that everyone's got skeletons in their closet. Oh, yeah. You can go ahead and disagree about politics. Uh, you can go ahead and disagree about policy. But dredging up things from the past strips it of its context. You thought the Kamala Harris going after Joe Biden at the first debate was a low blow? Uh, I think it was a premeditated, scripted low blow. Ah. Yeah. I have a story about that, about busing. Oh, Grandma has another story. I think we'll leave it there. <laughs> Sorry, Grandma. The band is playing you off. Um, there you go. Uh, the, the, the state of the Democratic Party during these uh, debates could not be healthier, I suspect. Everything's going according to plan. Everything is going swimmingly. And the Democrat Party couldn't be stronger. Racism, 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 Russia, racism.
Racism, Russian racism. I wanted to show you this. One of my favorite politicians, a guy named Jacob Rees-Mogg, who's a conservative in the UK, in the Tory party. And he recently got appointed since uh, Boris Johnson was made leader of the Tories. He got appointed to, I, I forget his role, it's something like leader of the house or something like that. So he's like the main guy in parliament now. If you want to see, you know, any, it's well known on this show, anybody who has good command of the English language is close to my heart instantaneously, whether I agree with them or not. But anybody who can, you know, regale us with wordplay, I, I instantly take a liking to. So this is how you shut down your opponents when you are Jacob Rees-Mogg in the UK. Check this out. And this amendment says what we Eurosceptics have been saying all along, that the European Union produces its laws in a form of goggledygook, of stentorian, sesquipedalian sentences that nobody can ever understand, and therefore when it's brought into British law, it should be brought into British law in a form that requires a plain English translation. I like reading in the newspapers that I've suddenly become a soft touch. Frankly, it's true in so many ways. I do whatever my children tell me. That is my... And they're all staunch Eurosceptics. But... Um... <laughs> but this session has hardly begun. It is in its infancy. It is like Sixtus, my newborn son. It is still... It is still in the mewling and puking stage. It has not reached the stage of toddling and walking and taking bold steps. And I'm afraid to say that this, of course I give way to the Honourable Gentleman. Does he not agree when you raise a child, one must try and instruct that child on good behaviour from the very beginning and not let it misbehave early on? And so therefore our role God. is surely to make sure the government does not misbehave early on. Honourable gentleman is a harsher authoritarian than I am. I think the strict discipline of a child yet a fortnight old would be unreasonable by any standards, and I, I hope. But I'm just glad I'm, I'm not an infant in his household. That's all I can say, Mr. Speaker. <laughs> so that's, that's the talent. When you can go after somebody who's going after you and make that person laugh, then you know that you're onto something. Trump does that too from time to time. When he goes after people, sometimes they just can't help but laugh. You know, in secret, I think a lot of them actually quite like him. Like a lot of the press people, I think, I think, I think there's a number of press people who deep down actually quite like the way that the guy relates to them, but they just could never come out and admit it because it, admit it because it would be career suicide. I'm just going to play this bit once again. So this guy, <laughs> this guy wants to. Surely we must teach children from an early age to not misbehave. And he's like, well, this this man is a, a more strict authoritarian than I am. <laughs> Make sure the government does not misbehave early on. Honourable gentleman is a harsher authoritarian than I am. I think the strict discipline of a child yet a fortnight old would be unreasonable by any standards, and I, I hope. Well, I'm just glad I'm, I'm not an infant in his household. That's all I can say, Mr Speaker. Well what done. would you and your fellow colleagues do if the Prime Minister went down this route of trying to do some sort of deal with the Labour leadership to get the deal through? Um, well, first of all, thank you for a question from LBC. If you listen between six and seven, on I'll... 
You can okay. call in and tell me how marvellous Brexit is. We'll be very welcome. Uh, those kippers, I can assure the Honourable Lady, were absolutely delicious. They were eaten by my right honourable friend with gusto. Tom break. Speaker, uh, could I really welcome the Leader of the House to his uh, position? Because uh, certainly the Liberal Democrats, we couldn't want for a better recruiting sergeant for us than him as we set up a contest between Victorian values and Liberal Democrat values. Well, Mr Speaker, I may be a better recruiting sergeant for the Lib Dems than the Honourable Gentleman is, but that... This fucking idiot gets up. Well, I'd like to thank the Speaker of the House for being a, a better recruiting, uh, for being a, a, the best recruiting agent for the Liberal Democrats. And he's like, well, I probably am a better recruiting agent for the Liberal Democrats than you are. And then all of a sudden he's like, no, me, 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 me. You started it. <laughs> By now, these people have got to be like, just don't take him on. He's going to fucking shred you. He's too fast. He's too quick-witted. And he, he has too, too well of a command of the English language to ever be bogged down by these morons. <laughs> but I, I, I fear that may not be a very difficult task. Thank you, Chris Bob. Uh, thank you, Mr Deputy Speaker. When I was a child, I had a mug on it which had the wonderful and famous lines, let the wealthy and great roll in splendour and state. I envy them not, I declare it. I eat my own lamb, my own chicken and ham, I share my own fleece, and I wear it. I have lawns, I have bowers, I have fruits, I have flowers. The lark is my morning alarmer. So jolly boys now, let God speed the plough, and long life and success to the farmer. Um, the issue with uh, Erskine May, it is available online for free. Now, um, I understand that opposition members view themselves as modern and cutting edge and thrusting and that therefore going online may not be too problematic for them. Even I can do it occasionally myself. And if they don't want to do that, well, um, the um, uh, Erskine May proper edition is available uh, for £400 and may prove a good investment. Um, the issue... <laughs> and I accept that you are a broad church. I was handed a leaflet by the Communist Party, as I tell you. <laughs> and I, I took it. It took me some time. I'm a bit slow, really. It took me some time to realise it was from the Communist Party because it was pretty sound on the European issue. <laughs> so, uh, my right honourable friend, the Prime Minister, has said he views prorogation as an archaic mechanism and does not wish to see archaic mechanisms uh, used. As I'm bound... <laughs> bound by collective responsibility. That is now also my uh, view. Um, the, uh, the other side love him. Isn't, it, isn't he great? Jacob Rees-Mogg, ladies and gentlemen. Tremendous command of the English language. All right, I'm going to change it up a bit for you. Thank you for joining us. You are on the Daily Boogie. Got plenty more to go through. We'll go a little bit overtime tonight. Uh, have, what have you heard about the Area 51, the storming of Area 51, ladies and gentlemen? There's a couple of there's a couple of things you need to know. Perhaps we will play the this video first. Florida company offers alien abduction insurance because you never know when your time might come. You never know when a UFO might dip out of the sky and take you away. And should that ever happen, should that horrible uh, occurrence ever, you know, 
befall you, then you want to make sure that your family is taken care of long after, you, long after you've been whisked away to a, a far galaxy and had probes stuck in your anus. You want to make sure that your family and your children are looked after well after you're gone. So a Florida company, and it's about time, a Florida company is offering alien abduction insurance. Well, I didn't find it. Well- 51 Hype, I decided to see if there's proof of extraterrestrial life here in Florida. And while I didn't find it, what I found instead was just as intriguing. We're not the only ones. It's kind of crazy to think that we are. You may not believe in little green men or UFOs, but if you do, Mike St. Lawrence with the St. Lawrence Agency in Altamont Springs has you covered with alien abduction insurance. I went and I looked at my homeowner's insurance policy to see if I was covered for a risk like this. <laughs> if, I was, if I was creating a pilot TV show and I was in central casting, and I said, bring to me a, the kind of guy who would purchase alien abduction insurance off the internet. And they brought me this gentleman. I would give that person a bonus. I would say, you nailed it. I don't even, I don't even care what he sounds like. If you close your eyes and think of man who would purchase alien abduction insurance off the internet, <laughs> this is your chap. <laughs> This is your bed. And I was not. Since 1987, St. Lawrence has sold close to 6,000 policies for 1995. <laughs> or- I'm in the wrong business. I'm in the wrong game. Who would have thought? I, I just, I want to be in that office when he has to pay out one day. When somebody comes in and says, yes, I, I was actually abducted by the aliens and uh, I just got back like yesterday. So I've been gone for about two weeks now, and, you know, I need to be reimbursed for my lost wages down at the scrapyard. You see, I was working down at the scrapyard, and them little green men, they come over the horizon, and they beam me up into their into their space lorry, and then, you know, they, they took me away, and they probed me. I quite enjoyed the probing, to be honest. I think I don't think that was in my, in my coverage. And so, yeah, two weeks ago... And now I just got dropped off today, so I want to have my wages reimbursed. Like, has this guy ever, ever had anybody make a claim? I need to know. I need to know more about this business <laughs> because I might do it myself. <laughs> if you feel like splurging for twenty four ninety five, dollars policyholders can get a certificate that St. Lawrence says is suitable for framing. Each policy comes with $10 million worth of coverage, including outpatient psychiatric care and sarcasm and double identity coverage. If you get one of our policies, it can benefit you if you really thought you had the experience by showing you have a sense of humor about it, too. So wow. how do you actually file a claim? Well, that part can be tricky. Okay. To start, you have to obtain a signature of an authorized onboard alien. <laughs> They're not going to sign. <laughs> Excuse me, can you please sign my paperwork? <laughs> if you don't sign my coverage form, I'm not going to be reimbursed, Mr. Alien. Come on now, Mr. Spark. Have y'all got a fax machine in this thing? You got you, you all got a photocopy here. I'm gonna leave a copy of my insurance form here. If you could sign it and then fax it back to Florida Alien Insurance Co., that would be great. And just sign, just sign at the bottom line there. Thank you, thank you, Mr. Spark. <laughs> Who's gonna sign my paperwork? 
That's a proper introduction. If you read the fine print of the policy, usually purchased as a gag gift, it states that the payments to you or your beneficiaries are a dollar per year for 10 million years. Uh. In the last 30 years, St. Lawrence has paid at least two claims. One policyholder submitted a Polaroid picture as proof. He apologized because the lighting inside the UFO is really bad. And with the recent <laughs> viral phenomenon that is the Area 51 raid that plans to quote, See them aliens. St. Lawrence has a new policy specifically for that. It's activated if you go in and you don't come out. If I could give you advice, I would say stay home. Fantastic. I love it. Can I can I sidetrack into something? This is this is like this is gonna speak to a bigger point. People often in, you know, online communities and stuff, they want to talk about Ah, oh, somebody's grifting, right? Somebody's taking money. They've taken your money and they're selling your bullshit. And you know, we need to we need to rip those people off the internet. Think of the poor old ladies and stuff. Think of the poor old ladies handing over their money to these fucking internet grifters. And that's fine, but I don't agree with taking people off the internet because my stance has always been, well, how is this different from the people who sell alien urine at Roswell? How is this different from the guy who sells alien abduction insurance? You know what I mean? For me, the responsibility is always on the person making the purchase. It's always on the responsibility of the person making a purchase. And if somebody gets some kind of satisfaction from paying somebody for some bullshit that they see on the internet, who cares? That's their problem. But at the same token, if that person then, you know, falls afoul of whatever they're paying for and isn't happy with the service that's being provided, it's like, well, don't come bitching to me because you're the one who made the decision. You're the one who wanted to hand over your money. So, I, the, the, you know what I mean? Like, I just sincerely don't care. If people want to hand their money over to alien insurance funds, then so be it. That's part of living in a voluntary, you know, free market society, as far as I'm concerned. It's not like bank fraud... It's not like people paying for a home loan and then getting a whole bunch of fees that won't explain. That's a different kettle of fish altogether. But I really don't see the the difference between, you know, a guy who wants to sell jars of alien urine at Area 51 or somebody who's selling hopes and dreams on the internet. It's all the same shit to me. So I don't want to treat them any differently than to each other. I could be wrong. Let me know what you think. I enjoy your feedback, ladies and gentlemen. Let's go to this clip. How to look your best for storming Area 51. We need to be looking snatched when the aliens see us because they may not have only, they've only probably seen people in like armored vests. And Am I the only one that's thinking right now that this chap should perhaps not be at the front line of people who are storming Area 51. Does anybody else think that there might be a chance that the guards on the gate at Area 51 will see this chap approaching in his green shirt, his manicured eyebrows and that haircut and his very pale, almost translucent skin and say, how the hell did you get out? We've got, we've got an escapee. Get him back in the vault. I'm not an alien. I'm here to see the aliens. Yeah, sure you aren't, pal. Sure you aren't, pal. 
We got an alien out the front. Come on now. Woo! <laughs> How the hell did you get out of your cell? I would stick to the back of the phalanx if I were you, young man. Just an idea. Just perhaps. Like lab coats, because I think that's what most of the population of the workers at Area 51 are. What's with the whispering? Is this some kind of conspiracy theory ASMR? (laughs) What the hell is going on here? Trevor, a.k.a. Dean ASMR, is sharing beauty tips for one of the most... It's conspiracy theory ASMR. You know, the aliens, when they get... We should probably be looking good and spruce up our hair when we go and see the aliens. Because the aliens probably haven't seen many people before. So this is something we should do to look our best. Okay. Anticipated and oddest events of the year. Is he... Is he... Is he giving people fashion tips or is he just selling makeup? More than a million people are suspected to show up at the military base in Nevada on September 20th. And ho- you know, people are, people are saying, oh, they can't, they can't arrest all of us, right? I say nay. <clears throat> I say nay. That's not the way it's going to work. Actually, let me show you something that came up earlier today, which will explain uh, my theory more succinctly. A video, because I was following the Hong Kong protest. Incidentally, does anybody else find it funny that, I, I tweeted this out earlier today, that, you know, in the UK and Australia, people will point to the Union Jack as a symbol of racism and oppression and tyranny. And in Hong Kong, the protesters are waving the Union Jack to stand against oppression and tyranny from the communists. <laughs> Isn't it funny just the way the universe aligns sometimes? Just lovely. It's delicious. Delicious irony. Um, so let me find this video for you. Because the theory is if, if enough people storm the gate, if enough people storm the gate at Area 51, then they will get inside and no harm shall come of them. They, there might be a few people that go down, you know, but the, mo- the majority of people, as long as they just race in there, will be free to explore Area 51 and find the aliens and everything will be fantastic. But I put it to you that that's not necessarily the case. Here is Exhibit A, one lone police officer confronted with, you know, hundreds of protesters from Hong Kong pulls a gun out and watch what happens. Where'd you go? He can't shoot all of us. Come on, guys, let's go. He can't shoot all of us, am I right? <laughs> Next thing you know, he's on his own. Where'd they all go? Where are they all? <laughs> just like that. So this idea that, you know, if enough people just storm the gate at Area 51, that they'll be able to get in there, bullshit. The guard will shoot the first guy and the rest of them will run 100 miles an hour in the opposite direction. Guarantee it. If you're standing there in a line storming a gate and the person next to you gets shot, especially if you are going down there as some kind of Facebook ASMR fashion guru telling people, telling guys what kind of makeup they should put on when they go and see the aliens, you're not going to keep marching forward when somebody gets shot standing next to you. You're going you're gonna to be like a cloud of dust in a Roadrunner cartoon at that point. 
all it would take was would be for one person. You wouldn't even have to shoot him dead. One person getting shot in the leg. It's like, come on, guys. Come on, guys. We're going to storm Area 51. I've got my makeup. I've got my hair all done. I'm wearing my favorite floral shirt because I can't wait to meet the aliens. Come on, guys. Let's all go. Come on. The aliens are waiting for us. It's going to be beautiful. And I'll make sure I've got my foundation and my cheeks are red and rosy and I look spectacular, honey. And we're all going to go down there and storm at the end. You know, I don't want to I don't want to meet the aliens anymore. <laughs> Let's just leave the aliens where they are, shall we? <laughs> I was really interested in meeting the aliens until the guy standing next to me took a slug to the leg. And then all of a sudden, I didn't care about conspiracy theories anymore. I just wanted to go back to my bedroom and sell makeup and do ASMR and put makeup on for the camera and do my hair and wear pretty shirts. It was, it was, it was very, it was a very fast conversion for me. I remember I used to be into conspiracy theories until somebody got shot and then I ran away. Then I didn't care about conspiracy theories anymore. Cured. Done. Hopes of meeting and freeing aliens. It all started with a Facebook group called Storm Area 51. They can't stop all of us. Area 51 is a military base commonly known by conspiracy theorists as a place where the government stores secret information about aliens and UFOs. I mean... (laughs) We must really be living in a parallel universe at this point where people who legitimately make a living whispering into a microphone whilst putting on makeup think that they're going to storm a highly a highly secured military installation <laughs> like this is next level larping you know, this is not a this is not a video game you understand that this is there is no reset button here do do you realize that how how quickly you and your comrades will be mowed down by the automatic rifles that will be pointed at you if you try to storm the gate at Area Fifty One? <laughs> they can't shoot me. I've got M and M's in my pocket and white skin. The bullets are just going to deflect right off. You heard Kirsten Gillibrand. White privilege stops people from getting shot. <laughs> if your son is wearing a hoodie with M and M's in his pocket, the thing that's going to protect him from bullets is his whiteness. It's like, okay, put all the white people at the front of the queue when we storm Area 51, please. Preferably the men who wear makeup and zhush their hair. What could possibly go wrong? All right, I thought this was fun. The strangest things people have allegedly tried to steal. Why pay full price? These people preferred to take advantage of the five-finger discount. But the things they chose to allegedly steal have us scratching our heads. Like this man who tried to lift an entire gumball machine from an animal shelter. (laughs) Even more embarrassing, he chose his escape through a small doggy door. But that machine could only withstand so much torture and broke mid-heist. This pair really wanted to beat the summer heat, but worked up a sweat taking this kiddie pool from someone's backyard. You're stealing an inflatable pool? (laughs) Come on, man. Take a bath. Sit in the bath. Who steals an inflatable pool? 
What the hell is going on? <laughs> Don't drop the water, yo. We need the water. We're going to have to steal the water. <laughs> But they ended up putting extra heat on themselves when the homeowner shared the video on social media and the whole town started looking for the pool poachers. They later returned the pool and apologized to the owner, claiming that they thought it was Fucking their hell. pool, which had recently been stolen. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. I'm sure. I'm sure that's what it was. Yo, yo, it wasn't me, man. I thought I was just stealing the pool back, yo. Somebody stole my pool, and I saw your pool, and I thought it was my pool, so I was stealing back. So I'm sorry if I, you know, if I offended y'all. If you thought I was stealing your pool, that's not what went down, man. That's not what happened, huh? That ain't what happened here. I thought somebody stole my pool. I saw you had pool, and I thought I just assumed, man. You know, you know how it is. I thought you just talk, stole my pool, man. Everybody says it's a pool-stealing community. ...was forgiven. You can't accuse these thieves of being selfish. Yes, they stormed a donut shop, jumped the counter, and grabbed whatever they could. But one of them, not wanting to frighten the customers, shared some of his sweet loot before making his getaway. <laughs> well done. Well done. I almost approve of that thievery. I mean, you got to pay off the witness. There's only two ways you can go when you storm a donut shop and make off with the goods, and there's witnesses there. You either you you either have to you know take the witnesses hostage and eventually bury them in a ditch somewhere, or you pay them off with a bear claw. <laughs> here you go. Don't talk. Don't say nothing. When the police show up, I wasn't here. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, is, is there any jam donuts back there? <laughs> this burglar had more expensive tastes. Authorities say nice the masked intruder broke into a bar in Very Denmark and swiped the world's most expensive bottle of vodka. Now we're talking. Valued at more than a million dollars. Now we're talking. Why so pricey? The container is made up of six pounds of gold has a diamond-encrusted cap. Pinky's up. See, the Europeans do robberies correctly. In America, there's something wrong with you Americans where you'll you'll break into a donut shop and steal literally four cents worth of dough and powdered sugar. In Europe, <laughs> they'll steal million-dollar bottles of vodka. Gee, don't you just wish that the guy stole the bottle of vodka and then went home and opened it up and just drank it with, like, cheap orange juice concentrate? <laughs> this is some good shit. When swigging this beverage. A million dollars. But not all that's stolen remains lost. Sometimes a conscience catches up with a thief, which may have been the case at a church in New Jersey. A baby Jesus statue stolen from a nativity scene uh, 90 years earlier mysteriously reappeared at the church. Somebody stole a baby Jesus? <laughs> wow. Wow. Imagine stealing the baby Jesus and then just putting it on your shelf at home. And like late at night by the lamplight, you could just see little baby Jesus' face as you're trying to go to sleep. Just staring at you. <laughs> 
90 years later. I better hear this back. Urge in the mail. It must have bothered somebody enough that they wanted it to come home. And even after what could have been 90 years, they did the right thing. Some loot may just be too hot to handle. This vintage car would make a stunning addition to anyone's collection, which is probably why someone took it in the middle of the night. Nice. But because of its previous owner, American aviation hero Amelia Earhart, everyone was on the lookout to return it to its rightful owner. Luckily, the car... I'd, I'd like to trade in my car for a Camaro. <laughs> How many miles does it have on the clock? Uh, I don't know. 40? <laughs> top, top speed of 15 miles an hour, my man. I mean, one one previous owner. It's been kept in a garage for a long time. What kind of trade-in can you give me on this on this car here? <laughs> Walking around, kicking the tyres. ...was found abandoned and undamaged, and this little piece of history will remain preserved. There they are, and there they'll stay. There was no place like home for these iconic shoes. The ruby red slippers worn by Judy Garland in The Wizard of Oz were stolen from her namesake museum in Minnesota back in 2005. The FBI received tips that led to their recovery in 2018. The shoes are now back on display for all of her fans to see. I'm glad the FBI are concerning themselves with very important crimes here. There's no place like home. FBI on the hunt for ruby red slippers, ladies and gentlemen. Incidentally, uh, speaking of the FBI and Jeffrey Epstein, somebody sent me this article earlier today. <laughs> Jeffrey Epstein hoped to seed the human race with his DNA. <laughs> it sounds like a very normal guy. Jeffrey Epstein, the wealthy financier who is accused of sex trafficking, had an unusual dream. Ah, I had a dream that all my poor little children would come from my nutsack, especially. He hoped to seed the human race with his DNA by impregnating women at his vast New Mexico race, uh, New Mexico ranch. Line them up. Mr. Epstein said over the years, uh, Mr. Epstein over the years confided to scientists and others about his scheme, according to four people familiar with his thinking, although there is no evidence that it ever came to fruition. Well, wouldn't the evidence be that there would be a lot of little Jeffrey Epsteins running around? Mr. Epstein's vision reflected his long-standing fascination with what has become known as transhumanism. The science of improving the human population through technologies like genetic engineering and artificial intelligence. Critics have likened transhumanism to modern-day versions of eugenics, the discredited field of improving the human race through controlled breeding. There you go. Jeffrey Epstein. Uh, imagine being so self-centered and so narcissistic that you think this here, this here, if everybody would had a little bit of this DNA here, that it would be an improvement for humankind. <laughs> At least have the self-awareness enough to know that your impregnating of the entirety of the women on planet Earth is not going to be an improvement, sir. Just putting that out there. Speaking of prison, man sentenced to Britain's shortest ever jail sentence of just 50 minutes. <laughs> there he is. <laughs> A man has been sentenced to Britain's shortest ever jail sentence. 23-year-old Shane Jenkins was ordered to spend around 50 minutes in custody while he wrote letters of apology to a victim and police officers who apprehended him. 
Jenkins had been involved in an incident during which he broke the window of an ex with a broom handle before hightailing it away from the coppers. After the young man pleaded guilty to damaging property, assaulting two police officers and escaping custody, the judge decided that it would be sufficient punishment for him to write apology letters to the people affected by his crimes. He was also given a four-month prison sentence, which was suspended for two years, as well as being ordered to perform 80 hours of unpaid work, must also meet rehabilitation requirements to not take controlled drugs. 50-minute sentence. He smashed the window. He's ashamed of his behavior. He consumed alcohol to excess and substances were taken. That very much clouded his judgment for which he is truly sorry. Can I just say, why Why is it that when a story comes out of somebody doing something violent, not necessarily this kid, but why is it when a story comes out of somebody doing something violent and dangerous, why is uh, alcohol, substance abuse or drug taking, why is that used as, used as a mitigating factor? Like, what am I missing here? They say, oh, you can't give them a very hefty sentence because they were drunk. Or you can't give them a very hefty sentence because they were taking dangerous drugs. For me, that, that should, you should double the charge. Like, that's, that's more dangerous. It's like, oh, you know, your, your honor, it's not my client's fault. He was taking um, narcotics at the time of the crime. Therefore, he wasn't in control of himself. And it's like, yeah, that's exactly why we're putting him in jail. Because he's the kind of person who can have a few drinks and then go and do fucking crazy things. Like, the drinks aren't making it less worse. The drinks make it worse. You know what I mean? He can't be trusted. Like, that's worse than somebody being in control and doing these things. Is somebody being out of control because they had a few drinks? Am, am I the only one that thinks that? Why does it always, why does the sentence always get minimized when we find out these guys are on drugs and drinking? It should be doubled. <laughs> what am I missing here? I don't know. Given the opportunity, he would like to apologize to his ex and the officers. It was a stupid decision I made. I wasn't thinking straight. I hope you can forgive me. To the officers, he wrote, I'm truly sorry for my actions. So with his proposed reparations made, he was released along with the suspended sentence and other requirements back into the free world. 50 minutes. What are you in for? Oh, till about half past. Till about half past. Texas woman sues Kroger contractor after walking into a window she thought was a doorway. <laughs> Again. Why are we empowering these people? Why the hell are we empowering these people to be idiots? A woman in Texas filed a lawsuit against a general contractor for Kroger after she walked into a window that she mistook for an open doorway. You know, we don't pay off the... We don't pay off the birds and the cats and the dogs when they do this. Why? What makes you so goddamn special? KPRC reports the woman is seeking between $200,000 and $1 million for negligence. They say the lawsuit claims she suffered serious injuries when she walked into a clear floor-to-ceiling window. She's suing Legrand Services because the company failed to place warning signs at the window. She's seeking payment for past and future medical expenses, pain and suffering, physical impairment, physical disfigurement, and mental anguish. Jesus. <laughs> uh, Ocean Nathan sent this before. The Hong Kong protesters are on another level. They're using lasers to avoid facial recognition cameras, a cyber war against Chinese artificial intelligence. Have a look at this. Look at them go.
Well done. Well done. Godspeed to the freedom fighters of Hong Kong. Godspeed. St. Augustine man arrested after pulling gun on woman who refused to try his vape pen at McDonald's. Another Florida story. On Friday, July 26, the St. John's County Sheriff's Office arrested an Augustine resident, Kyle McGill Walker, 19, after he allegedly pulled a gun on a victim at McDonald's, police say. <laughs> the victim told the officers that she was approached by Walker. He asked her if she would like to try a hit of his vape pen. After the victim refused, Walker said, Are you serious, bro? <laughs> of course he did. Of course he said, Are you serious, bro? According to the report. Then Walker lifted up his shirt and showed the victim a gun. Walker pulled the gun out of his pants and began asking, What's up now? What's up now? <laughs> what the fuck is wrong with people? Man, do you want to try my vape pen? Mm, no, thank you. Say what, motherfucker? What's up now, bitch? Huh? Huh? Try it. Stick it in your mouth and suck it. Try my vape pen, bitch. <laughs> the victim told police she was in fear of her life. A short time later, Walker was found by police behind the Lewis Point Plaza, near to where the incident occurred. Police transported him back to the McDonald's, where the victim and surveillance confirmed the crime. Walker has been charged with aggravated assault with a deadly weapon without intent to kill. Over a vape pen. Try my vape pen, bro. No thanks. Okay. Was that so hard? <laughs> Try my vape pen, bitch. What <laughs> the fuck is wrong with people, honestly? Let's, let's plow through these. Bishop defends gays exist because pregnant... Uh, defends saying gays exist because pregnant women enjoy anal sex. The Bishop of Morphu, I cannot pronounce that, Neophytus. The Bishop of Morphu Neophytus made the comments at a primary school. Oh, good. <laughs> Educating the children. In Akaki, Cyprus, saying the mother's enjoyment transfers to the fetus, making the child gay. <laughs> a religious leader who said mums who to be who enjoy anal sex are the reason why gay people exist. So apparently, if you're pregnant and you engage in anal sex, this enjoyment transfers to the fetus. That's what. That's where how you create gay people, by having anal sex when you're pregnant. <laughs> I've, I, see, I need more of this kind of um, religiosity in my life, honestly. I mean, all of the goodwill and stuff. Yes, if we're good, we go to heaven. Yes, yes, charity, blah, blah, blah. Honor thy father and thy mother. I want more preachers who will come out and say, you know, if you have anal sex when you're pregnant, that's going to create a gay baby. I, I need that in my life. <laughs> he faced an international backlash and was ridiculed with some questioning what happens in the fetus to make a priest abuse children. However, he now says he was just teaching the words of the Orthodox Church. He said, I express the position of the church and the position of the saints. It's called doggy style. He also compared being gay to having a child having a musical talent. He said that if a parent is a musician, there is a higher likelihood of the child also being musical. This, he claimed, was similar to planting seeds in a garden that carry information in their DNA that is passed on to the next generation. He says that when the women likes that, it happens during the parent's intercourse or pregnancy. It follows an abnormal sexual act between the parents to be more clear anal sex. 
I bet you never thought that you could go to church one day. Remember, he was speaking at a kid. He was speaking at a primary school for children, small children. So we're talking like eight and nine-year-olds. I, to be fair, um, I'd probably prefer this over uh, Drag Time Story Hour. <laughs> You've got two options. You've got Drag Time Story Hour, where eight and nine-year-olds are being asked to shove dollar bills into the G-strings of grown men waving their near-naked genitals in front of the children's faces. Or you've got a religious leader who says that pregnant women having anal sex creates gay babies. Like, uh, it's a tough one. to Which one do you prefer? Which way do you want to go on this? <laughs> I know what I prefer. Tourists horrified to find Hitler mugs on sale in Italy. There you go. There's Uncle Adolf on sale in Italy. Hitler coffee mugs, ladies and gentlemen, in Italy. The Italians have uh, come full circle, haven't they? <laughs> A British woman has shared her horror at finding mugs adorned with Hitler's face and Nazi slogans on sale in Italy. Angela Thompson spotted the mugs on sale in a supermarket in the country on July 29. She posted the picture of the €5.90 items to Twitter with the caption, What the fuck? Just arrived in Italy on holiday and I knew fascism was on the rise here, but still shocked to see these in the local supermarket. Hey, free market decides, baby. Another tourist, Peter Devanzo, told Metro.co.uk he also found wine bottles with Hitler on the label in a small grocery store in uh, Puglia in the south of the country. He said, the owner turned his back on me while he was serving another customer and I quickly took the pictures without him noticing me. See, why would you take pictures and post it to social media? I would buy a bottle and take it home and say, look what I bought in Italy. It's like Hitler wine. (laughs) Shall we crack open a Hitler wine? Sounds delightful. Wouldn't you like uh, a little bit of Hitler red over dinner? Imagine that. Imagine pulling that out at a dinner party. Imagine taking it to somebody else's dinner party. I bought wine. <laughs> this is this is the wine that you take to your uh, liberal friends who live in you know Manhattan. <laughs> You've been invited to a nice dinner party at a loft in Manhattan somewhere, and you show up with a bottle of this. <laughs> Good evening. I hope I hope I haven't missed the hors d'oeuvres. By the way, I bought some wine. <laughs> Who wants a glass? <laughs> That's how you make an impact at a dinner party. The owner of the supermarket where it is believed the mugs were being sold in Venice last year told La Repubblica, it's just business. It's just business. Nothing personal, bro. He said the products are sold across Italy in major tourist areas from Venice to Bologna and along the Adriatic coast. Mr. Nepetti said, I've been selling the bottles for 30 years. No one has ever forbidden me to do so. I'm neither fascist nor Nazi, but if people buy them and these bottles, they buy so many, I will keep selling them. Well done. Yes, Stefan Sears in the chat. It's an Aryan blend uh, with 12% vodka, perhaps. <laughs> Last year, anti-fascist groups campaigned to have the mugs and wine bottles also featuring Hitler banned, filing complaints with local authorities and the police. Ah, oh, have some fun. Just relax, will you? <laughs> I need a bottle of Hitler wine. I'm sorry. It's just something I've got to have in my wine cabinet. When somebody says, do you mind if I grab a bottle of wine? I'll be, yeah, please be my guest. And then I'll just have that, the Hitler bottle of wine at the front as the first one that they see. Uh, grab grab a bottle of red while you're in the kitchen, will you, mate? Yeah, no worries. Do-do-do. What the fuck? What the fuck is going on here? 
One more. Let's end the show with this, perhaps. We've been going nearly two hours. Thank you so much for joining us. You're on the Daily Boogie podcast. It was like hell. Wedding party caught in police pepper spray crossfire from down here in little old Australia. Let's go. Thrown at Kareem and Heber's wedding. Only punches when dozens of gate crashes turned up. But when police arrived, the newlyweds say officers turned on the wedding party. <laughs> Oh my God! This must be the best night of my life. <laughs> oh, they they pepper spray they pepper sprayed Nana. <laughs> Imagine getting married. Imagine at some point in your wedding, ending up on the street screaming in the face of riot police because they pepper sprayed your grandma. Instead of tears, tears of, of, of joy, Happiness. they had tears of pain. A dream wedding turns ugly, complete chaos on the street. You've done nothing! As a bride and groom <laughs> and their families... <laughs> These police obviously don't value their own lives. If you think that you're going to get away with storming a wedding and pepper spraying people in the face, a, a bride on her wedding day is more volatile than uranium. <laughs> A bride on her wedding day is more likely to explode than, uh, you know, a nuke detonated. You do not want to be anywhere near a bride on her wedding day when something goes wrong. So what are the kind of things that a bride might worry about on her wedding day? Could it possibly be, uh, you know, the hors d'oeuvres being a little cold? Maybe not everybody has a glass of wine when they should. Uh, why Why doesn't everybody have a glass of champagne for the toast? What's going on? Maybe the cake arrives a little late. Maybe the DJ doesn't have the right wedding dance song on his on his computer like he should. Oh. Maybe the car is a little late to pick up guests or pick them up after after the service. These are all the kind of things that could set a bride on her very special day right off the deep end. So imagine. <laughs> imagine. You're having a dance and riot police kick down the door of your reception hall and start pepper spraying your family members in the face. (laughs) I'm surprised. Yes, Hitler champagne, of course. I'm surprised any of these riot cops are still walking at this point find themselves tangled up in a clash with police. The wedding was like going from such happiness and excitement and so much fun to, it was like hell. It was literally like raging hell. The wedding party say they unwillingly got caught in a police operation. <laughs> Earlier that night, officers had kicked out a group of teenagers from a party down the road. Those teenagers. Those girls hopped on a tram and travelled here. As they got out at the same time, the wedding guests were leaving the reception to farewell the bride and groom. The two groups clashed and all hell broke loose. About 40 of the girls just wanted to run towards us and attack us all and it just got really, you know, really scary. The police just ran towards us and just started spraying everyone. It was crazy. It was like, you know, it was just waving everywhere. It was like right in the faces. Kareem and Heber's wedding day ruined. Just hours earlier, there were joyous family celebrations and the happy couple enjoyed a romantic first dance as husband and wife. But then this. This is what we get. 
Dozens of people left in pain and screaming out Jesus for help. Christ. Forced to wash their faces with water and saline after Fuck. being pepper sprayed by the police. To tell you the truth, I thought my mother was going to die. I could not anymore. Like, I fainted on the floor. I just had no more energy. Everywhere you look, there's police officers just spraying. You know? Like, it was the Dad, worst... The chemistry's out. Ready, ready. Just ready. Feeling. No, don't wish it upon anyone. Children, women and the newlyweds were all caught in the firing line. <laughs> Spraying children in the face with pepper spray. <laughs> Fucking hell, man. Ah, yeah, the thin blue line. Woo! Fucking <laughs> <laughs> duck. Oh. Like I said, um, anybody who wants to take that risk with a married woman on her wedding day, well, Godspeed, because if you if you manage to survive the night after something like that, then you really are being protected from a higher power. Because hell hath no fury like a woman in a wedding dress. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, that brings us to the end. Thank you so much for joining us on this Wednesday night. Thank you so much for sharing the show out. I'll be back on Sunday night with Trust and Verify at TAV Show if you're interested with the Flying Hawaiian James R. Don't forget to follow our friends, the Flying Hawaiian James R at Real Person PLTCS and Chris Mack at Chris MC 44 for 44 periscopes a day. I'll be back on Sunday night at 11 p.m. and then back again next week from Monday to Tuesday to Wednesday to do it all over again. Have a lovely day. Have a lovely weekend. Thank you so much for joining us. Until next time. Well, if you'd like to become a supporter of the show, please head over to patreon.com forward slash boogie bumper. Become a subscriber by hitting the subscribe button on your preferred podcast player. And of course, if you would like to ruin my wedding day, then you can do so by following me on Twitter at boogie bumper. Until next time, guys, stay calm, stay rational. God bless. And we'll see you soon. Bye bye.